everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Today we are looking at Mark chapter 15. There is only one more chapter in Mark after today, so we are going to be quickly wrapping up the book of Mark. And probably the saddest thing of this entire chapter is that the Messiah that people have been anticipating, the king that people have been taught about to look for, he finally arrived, and today we see them shouting to crucify him and kill him. Uh, it's just, it's kind of heavy. I don't know if it's possible to read these chapters and not feel the weight of what's going on. Something that I noticed and I think stuck out to you as well, Ryan, was that not too long ago, a couple chapters before this, many of these people that were, I would assume we're talking about, were very excited about Jesus. They were super ready for him to take on that role that was in their minds. Um, and shortly after that, he decided to go and turn the tables in the synagogues and people were not happy with him. So I imagine that there's like this complete turn of how they feel about Jesus and are just like, no, just get rid of this guy. We're so over him to the point where they are willing to release a criminal into their midst, into their like family lives, into their everyday lives so that Jesus will be executed. Actually, it's really interesting. So on that note, the criminal that they released, Barabbas, they bring Jesus to Pilate. I think Pilate is a very compelling figure. He's just a really interesting character in this whole story. But he is a Roman official. And Mark tells us that Barabbas was put into prison for insurrection. This is in verse 7. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Mm -hmm. So not only is this somebody who led a revolt against the Romans— this is someone who had killed people in a revolt against the Romans. Mm -hmm. Pilate was put in Jerusalem to rule over Judea and guarantee peace to the Roman Empire. So he would have been very interested in keeping the peace. And the peace was so threatened by Jesus, this crowd so desired the death of Jesus, that Pilate makes a decision to release an insurrectionist from prison, somebody who had openly revolted against Rome. The crowd is is so stirred up that Pilate decides to release, like, probably one of the bigger threats to the Romans mm -hmm. back to the people. And you can tell that for sure um, because verse 16 says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. Like, the tables are so opposite of what they should be. It's so interesting even to notice that Pilate releases this guy who hates Rome back into the public. Mm -hmm. But I think all of that goes to show, too, God's ultimate plan in all of this. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but that had to be what happened in order for God's ultimate plan to actually occur. So it's really sad then because I think the next section is just, it's really depressing. Um, just Jesus being consistently mocked, beaten, humiliated. Um, I don't know if you want to go into any of those details at all, but I definitely was, I guess, more in tune with after Jesus was mocked and I guess prepared for his walk to his final, uh, his death. We have this passerby Simon of Cyrene, who I guess I always just, I always knew that that was like a part of the story, but this poor guy is like just kind of doing his thing. You know, there's like all this crazy stuff going on and he's like 
basically he is forced he was just, to take the cross the, for Jesus. Like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Verse 21 says, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. Like, most likely he's yeah. just coming in to like conduct business or maybe he was there for the Passover or something. But you do get the idea that he's just there. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him. So, like, I can't even imagine just going about your your day-to-day and then walking into this situation. I think there's something interesting about that, too. I wonder oftentimes, like, what was actually going on in the minds of these people? Was he, I don't know, was he compelled by Jesus? Did he look him in the eye? Did he... I don't know, was there some kind of change in his own heart? We don't know a lot about him, but it's very interesting that he specifically is brought up. He's mentioned he has to do this horrific task, uh, basically carrying the death instrument for Jesus to the place where he would be killed. It's just, it's so crazy. I think that's like a small detail that, I don't know, can be easily skipped over, but it caught my attention today. Um, in, In that same section, so we're talking specifically like verse 21 through verse 32, probably, you see that. Jesus is hung on the cross and the, the, the crowd, the soldiers, they divide up his garments and cast lots for them to decide who gets what. Yeah. And that is directly prophesied in Psalm twenty two eighteen, which is important because Psalm 22 is the same passage of scripture that Jesus is going to quote um, in verse 34. It says at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. I don't speak Aramaic, by the way. Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabachthani. If you know how to say that, <laughs> you get extra credit. Um, but he's quoting Psalm 22. So it's possible that Jesus sees what's going on and is like very aware that this exact moment things are being fulfilled. And mm-hmm. if, if you want like a powerful picture of what's going through Jesus' mind and actually what is specifically transpiring. Look at Psalm 22. It's it's pretty wild, hmm. actually, like how much it lines up with what's going on. That's interesting. Uh, going, do you want to keep adding well, to that? Well, I, I just, I mean, <laughs> he sorry. gave me the look. Yeah, I did give a look. Um, just to add to that, like this is another one of those instances that Jesus could not have like tricked somebody into doing this for him. And I, I say that mm-hmm. not to question like the deity of Christ. Obviously, I believe Jesus is God. Obviously, he knows everything. He's in control of everything. Um, these men are dividing up his clothes like on their own accord, yet right. they're fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It would have been impossible for Jesus to be like, hey, once you get me up there, make <laughs> sure you do this and then make sure you do this. Yeah. But that that's what somebody would do if they're trying to trick everybody. But Jesus is not trying There's to trick no everybody. Like yeah. God's hand is on this and God's hand has been on this from the beginning of time. That's why Psalm 22 uh, actually has to do with Mark 15. So one thing to call out to from that final piece where they're, um, after they're basically divvying out all of his things, there's the verse, uh, verse 36, actually it's verse 35 and 36. Uh, some of the bystanders heard Jesus say these things, calling out to God, uh, why have you forsaken me? And they said, oh, he's calling out to Elijah. So it's, this part is just like so gross. And again, I've heard this so many times, but it actually occurred to me as we were reading it today, like, oh, this is so gross. So someone ran to fill a sponge for him, uh, basically what I'm understanding it is to just keep him alive so that they can wait. It says right here in verse 36, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. So in my mind, I saw that more of like, okay, let him just, let him live a little bit longer because we want to see if Elijah shows up. Like it's this weird thing again where they're like, 
well, maybe like maybe he'll save himself. It's just like all these asking for these crazy signs or, oh, wow, maybe we'll see Elijah today. Like it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they are killing their savior. It's everything to do about what can I get from him before he's totally gone. It's so gross. It is very gross. And like as you're talking, I'm thinking about the crowd that is present. If you just pause and think about the crowd that is present at Jesus' crucifixion, it is wild what's going through everybody's heads. Mm -hmm. And it's so different. So we know like verse uh, 31 tells us that the chief priests and the scribes were there. Yep. Uh, Verse 27 says there were two robbers there crucified beside him. Um, we can assume Simon of Cyrene and probably his sons, Alexander and Rufus were there. Um, the, the person that gives him the, the bitter wine, the sour wine is there. Um, the Marys are there. Verse 40. So verse 40, the Marys are there. And, and it also says, and other women, Mm -hmm. uh, came up with him. It does say they were looking from a distance. However, they're watching all this go down. Like they are, there's very different parties represented. And there's a lot of soldiers there because the soldiers are gambling for his clothes. Essentially, they're casting lots for his clothes. But then there's also this soldier that in verse 39 looks up at everything that has happened and says, truly, this man was the son of God. So if you pause and just think about all the people that are viewing this crucifixion take place and what is going through their hearts and their minds and how different they are. Like you think about the the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. They have seen Jesus do so many miracles. Mm-hmm. And like the Mark starts out with them seeing the miracles and being like, I don't know about this guy. Then they see another miracle and they're like, this guy casts out demons by demons. Then they see him do more miracles and they're like, we need to kill him. Now they're standing here with Jesus hanging on the cross, and they're saying, well, if he could just perform a miracle, we would believe him. It just shows you like how dark their hearts are. They're so against Jesus. Well, doesn't that make you kind of think today too, like how often do people actually experience Jesus revealing himself to them? Like you see it clear as day. There are so many moments in my life, whether I was aware of who Jesus was or not, that it's just like, whoa, there's something else. Like, there's something else going on here. Like, how For many sure. of those people were seeing this, but some still rejected? I think that happens even today. Like, I don't think God kind of, like, hides himself. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong there, but it feels like God is revealing himself all the time. And it's a matter of, are you going to accept it or reject it? And I think that is exactly what's going on here, too. Like, Jesus is clearly in front of their face, yes. fulfilling all of these things. It's just like, meh. Get rid of him. It's so clear that they have rejected him. They're mocking him. They've seen so many miracles take place. They know that they've seen it. And yet, just this small part of the audience, they they refuse. They're just mocking him. There's another part of the audience, this soldier, for example, that sees what's happening. And he's like, I know that this man is the son of God. Mm -hmm. What did he see? What was his experience? What brought him to that conclusion? Certainly, Mark is including this, I think, because Mark is writing to Gentiles, this Roman soldier would have almost certainly been a Gentile, like 99.999%. Um, and he's saying, this is the son of God. I know that this is true. You have the the Marys that are saying, you know, they're there. We know where they fall. We know that they believe that Jesus is who he says he is. It, it, it's just wild. And then um, just to bring a little bit of scandal into this passage, if I may, 
there is some problems with some other people present. If you look at verse 27, and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And then if you follow me through to verse 32, um, from the cross, the, or sorry, verse. this is the second half of verse 32, those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Uh, if, if you have an opinion on this and you're listening on YouTube, please let me know what you think because I would love to hear what you think. The problem here is that Luke uh, 23, 39 talks about how one of the robbers that was crucified next to him asks to be in paradise and Jesus tells him that he will be in paradise. So it does appear like there's two different accounts of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like on the surface, um, it looks like, okay, Luke is describing these men who were crucified with Jesus and saying one came to believe in Jesus. It looks like Mark is saying, well, there were two men crucified with Jesus and both of them hated Jesus. So it, it is just kind of like, like I don't want to ignore those kinds of things when we come across them. I want to call them out. Um, but it, it looks like you have a thought cooking there, Jenny. Well, just thinking, we've talked about this before, I believe, when we went through Luke, that there is also a perspective piece. I imagine there were many people there. So um, even if, like we've said this before, if I'm sitting on one side of the room and you're sitting on another side of the room and there's like this big conversation happening, my perception of something, you know what I'm saying? Like it can vary in that too. And I don't want to like make that the thing or say that's like an excuse for it. But imagine like this huge crowd. This is not like an organized, right. like, right. okay, your turn to speak kind of thing. Like this is a big, huge, lots of emotions going on, people right. yelling, people doing whatever. So like, I wonder too, how much is just like what one experience versus the other. Yeah, it, it could be. I've I've heard people say that it was. It's very likely that actually there were several men crucified in at this time because of how the Romans did crucifixions. It was kind of this like huge, grand, sweeping thing. So it's possible there were far more than three people. Uh, Mark here does say that there were two other men included, but it's very likely there were several. Mm -hmm. um, it's also like one of the things I've heard. Well, so just to flesh that out, like if there were several men, it is possible that there were two men on either side of him making mm -hmm. fun of him. And at the mm -hmm. same time, one man who was saying like, hey, I want to be with you in paradise. Uh, another take on this is that a lot of time transpired, and you can see that in the actual passage. If you look at um, how, like, if you look at how verse thirty-three starts, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness. So the the section above it ends with those who were crucified with him also reviled him. But then a long period of time passes by before he actually dies. So it's possible that this repentance or this desire to be in paradise actually comes from this man after that time had transpired and Mark doesn't write it down. Um, at any rate, I don't want to go just breeze past something that's like, well, there, one account says this and another account says this. Like we actually need to reconcile these things so that they're faith affirming and not mm -hmm, faith shaking. Mm -hmm. So I don't yeah. want to hide them from you or be afraid of them. Uh, let me know what you think. What do you think is going on here and how do you handle the fact that these accounts are different uh, let us know in the comments, and I'll actually respond to you. I'd, I'd love to hear what you say. So how do we land this story, this very well-known story of Jesus' death, crucifixion? I, What's a your part? I'm struggling with two thoughts, and it might be because I just had like a wild day, and I feel really kind of shook up and all over the place a little bit. I don't know if you can tell that from the audio or not, but it's just it's just been interesting. Uh, there's a lot going through my mind today. I think something that is wild is like these people killed their Savior. Mm -hmm. Like that is just like... Wow, like people who thought they were living their entire lives honoring God killed the Savior that God sent them. They were a hundred million percent wrong. 
It's just so heavy. Mm -hmm. It's so heavy. And then the the other thing that is like a really interesting thought to me is thinking through the eyes of every single person that was there. Like, wow, what was going through their minds? What was going through their hearts? What were they thinking? And how so many people came to different conclusions. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like, there could potentially be a part for just like spiritual self-righteousness, like thinking that you are yeah. indeed doing something amazing when it in reality could be self-seeking. It could be self-righteousness, like all of these terrible things that will completely lead you astray from what actually counts and matters, which is honoring and glorifying Jesus. Be committed to Christ. And you have to pay so close attention to what God has revealed to us. You have to be obedient to what his Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Um, it's, it's just important that you're aware of what God is doing, um, because I, I certainly don't want to be in the same boat and I, I, by, by no means am I like, you know, smarter than these people or better than these people. I'm sure I'm very similar to a lot of these people. I think it's just a scary reality that you can so flippantly just fall out of faith. Yes. So I would say like, continue to build your relationship with Jesus, continue to read, uh, continue to study, continue to be surrounded by other people who honor Jesus with their lives, because we don't want to get this wrong. We don't want to be one of the shouting voices in the crowd demanding the wrong thing. Um, and I guess I, I won't tidy it up with a pretty bow. Um, I'll just say like, Hey, like be careful, be obedient to God and follow him and only him. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, wrapping up Mark chapter 16. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Mark chapter 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner from whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder and insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! 
and they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from this cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a low cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, and there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.